ready for the word? Yeah. Amen. This is a word that's been boiling around in my spirit for two or three weeks, and it finally made it uh, to paper. And I'm entitling this message, The Lion of the Tribe of Praise. The Lion of the Tribe of Praise. My last point in the handout sheet a couple of weeks ago was that we all have an enemy of praise, and his name is Satan. How many of you all remember that? Didn't Diane last week do a tremendous home run message uh, here? And interestingly, her last point in her handout, now get this, and I've already been working on this message even two weeks ago when I preached the other message. Now, she, her last point in her handout was the power is inside of you waiting to be released. And it's the power of praise. It's inside of you waiting to be released, and it's the power of praise. This is the journey that the Father has us on right now in terms of helping us get back to the heart of praise and to be a people that praises from the depth of our heart and our soul and not because the music's good. The music has been good, and they did a great job so far even with one-third of our sound system not even working this morning. Literally, one-third of the sound system is shut down. So pretty amazing. They still did a fantastic job. But I am more and more convinced than ever before that unless we have power to meet the onslaughts of Satan in these last days, then we are going to fall under defeat. If we don't have the power, if we don't know the power, or if we don't know how to access or activate the power that is necessary for us. The problem is, it lies in knowing what God's word says, but not knowing how to enact it. Knowing what God's word says, but not being able to take advantage of it by implementing it in our lives. How many of y'all know what the word says about certain things, amen? And maybe even certain things that you're struggling, healing maybe in life, and you know what the word says, but you're not seeing it enacted. You're not seeing it come to pass. And you're like, wait a minute, is God's word true or not? Well, of course we know the answer is yes. God's word never fails, right? God's word never fails. It's sometimes, I believe, in most times, more than probably is that we don't know how to activate or implement the power that's available to us. And it's the power of praise. It's in us. We have the power in us just waiting to be released and let go. And, but we have, a, we have an enemy of praise. And his name is Satan. In this season that we're in, Right now, due to the holy visitation and some other things that we've been experiencing with prophetic words that are mind-blowing, I'm going to be bringing some of those to the congregation at some point. Uh, the enemy is going to attack at every corner. He's going to do everything that he can to divide us, to separate us, to get us angry at each other, to get us hurt at each other, to get us focused on all the wrong stuff. He does not want us to go forward in the future that God has destined for this church years ago. Years ago, years ago. I mean, I just feel like sharing this, this one little tidbit with you. Years ago when we redid the building, uh, we have another drawing that had been done of a future uh, facility. Huge facility. Has this huge common area in it. I think it might have been Gail that mentioned uh, something about, boy, you know what we ought to put right there in the center? It might have been Gail, I don't remember. It might have been Linda, I can't remember who it was. But in any case, uh, said, uh, you know what we ought to put right in the center of that great big new area? We ought to put a fountain. And I went, oh, yeah. Because remember, this city had healing waters in it at one time that were defiled, right? And we, when we went through this whole building project, we just had a vision in our heart that there would be a resurgence of the fountain of healing that would take place and the not the fountain that would be in the future center uh, uh, welcome area but a, a figurative spiritual fountain of God's healing 
there was just a prophetic word that was just given out uh, through uh, Dutch Sheets and some others about uh, some angelic visitations. That's part of it. And, um, and that part of that angelic visitation was about establishing in Michigan, in the center of the state, a bubbling fountain of God's power. Huh? I don't know about you, but I'm claiming that for right here. We've believed it for a long time. And I, I believe that in these last days that we're coming, we're going to see more and more of the power of God taking place. But that power is not just based on what God has established. It's also based on what his people are willing to do. You're his people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent of their sins, then will I hear from heaven and I'll heal the land and, uh, and forgive their sins and my ears and my eyes will be in this place perpetually. I'm not just sugarcoating things when I say that Resurrection Life Church has a purpose beyond each and every one of us individually. I believe that with all of my heart. I've been preparing for it to hopefully see it in my lifetime, but I'm preparing for it even if it's after my lifetime, if the Lord tarries that long. That we see the fountain, the bubbling, overflowing fountain of God's glory and of his presence here in the house in the center of Michigan. Come on, somebody. And to see that being prophesied in all other places and know nothing about what we've experienced in our prophetic words, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So let me get back to this. If we don't know how to take the victory over Satan, who is powerful, he's seductive, he is cunning and sneaky in all of his actions, unless we know how to take the authority over him, we're going to be left stranded, we're going to be left wounded, we're going to be left empty, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so the enemy wants to do all that he can to disrupt the body of Christ. Okay? When we had the holy visitation here, you all remember that the imagery that we received it wasn't with the angel moving back and forth across the altar or around the pulpit. It stayed out over the congregation where the congregation sat because we have got to do, we are all part of, I'm just up here right now, but I'm a part of this congregation as well, amen? And it isn't about what I do or what Miss Diane does, it's about what we do or don't do. And so the power, as Diane said, is in us. Waiting to be released. And it's the power of praise. <clears throat> Who stands behind what's going on in this world? Some might say it's the dark state, or George Soros, or Nancy Pelosi, and so on. But the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Satan is the God, little g, of this world. You need to understand that. Satan is the God, little g, of this world. If I can get one of my ushers to turn the overhead fans on, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Who stands... Uh, behind the modernism that denies the truth and power of God's word, Satan. Who stands behind the race crisis in America, Satan. Who stands behind the rampant crime in the streets of cities all over America, Satan. Who stands behind the murder of babies through abortion, Satan. Who stands behind sex homosexuality, lesbianism, and the LGBTQ, Satan, who stands behind transgenderism. Satan, who stands behind the uh, gender identity crisis. Satan, who stands behind our children being taught deviant sexuality in grade school. Satan, who stands behind minors being allowed to get sex re uh, gender reassignment without their parents' knowledge. Satan, who stands behind the political division and hatred in our country. Satan. Who stands behind a near police state 
that's attempting to destroy our constitutional freedoms and silence the voices of national truth. Say it with me. Satan, who stands behind the diseases and sicknesses that ravage this world that before you can snap your fingers, one virus is gone, but yet another has risen right up. Satan, who stands behind the bondage and oppression that seems to hold down God-fearing Christians. Satan, who stands behind the user-friendly Christian light, watered-down churches that are mixing sin into their Christianity as though somehow it's God's will to do so. Satan, if Satan, it's Satan, it's Satan who's endeavoring to defeat you and to defeat me and to defeat churches that have a divine destiny. This church hasn't necessarily been an easy church to attend because there's accountability here at Resurrection Life Church. For some, this hasn't been an easy church to attend because there's government here in the church. There is leadership here in the church. This church has not necessarily been the easiest to attend because you don't have your ears tickled or your heart thumping just because it was such a funny day today. This is a church that requires Christianity to step up to the plate and become, be, go beyond what you've ever gone before because the days of easy, watered-down Christian light are over. Can you say amen? Amen. Give the Lord a praise. My pastor has often said to me that a church like ours and how we uh, welcome the power of the Holy Ghost into our services and preach the uncompromised, cutting word of God are not churches that have a recipe for growth numerically, but they are churches that are certainly have the recipe to usher in the presence of God and the upcoming return of our Lord Jesus Christ as well. We are destined, brothers and sisters, for things of greatness, not for ourselves, but so God can be great in all that he does and mighty here in the center of the state. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house today? Amen. Satan, who's attempting to rob you of the victory that belongs to you. What shall we do? Shall we just throw up our hands in defeat? Are we going to give up and say, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it? The answer is no, 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 no. Why? Because Jesus has already won the battle. Because Jesus is the victor. It says in Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 15, that Jesus spoiled and disarmed principalities and powers. That scripture, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. This is talking about the same principalities and powers that we have to deal with on a daily basis, every one of us have to deal with them on a daily basis. But again, there is an enemy to praise, and that enemy is Satan, and the power that you need is within you already. It just needs to be released, and it is the power of praise. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual host of wickedness. That ain't just one principality or power. That's a whole host of principalities and powers that are working against God's chosen, working against churches that are willing to stand up for the truth. I've already said some things in the beginning of my message that have potential trouble for us as a church and me as a preacher. I've already said some things even in the very beginning of my message that most ministers won't even mention for fear of repercussions from, from Uncle Sam or Aunt Pelosi. Huh? I thought I'd just give you a moment to revel in it because, you know. Hear me this morning. Jesus spoiled and disarmed these principalities and powers on the cross of, our, uh, cross of Calvary. Amen? Thank God Christ defeated the devil. 
Let me help you with something. Nancy Pelosi's not your enemy. She is also a child of God. Whether or not she has accepted Christ or not, she's still one of God's creation. She is not our enemy. It is the spirit and principalities and evils that stand behind some of the things that happen in the darkness in the, in, in the, in the country of America. And across the world, in fact, with the global reset, with the one world economy, which there no one's afraid to mention that anymore, with the one world government, no one's ashamed to hide that anymore. It is on the table for these end times, and it is very evident and open on any news report that you watch. Number one on your handout, and you need to get this, Jesus didn't defeat Satan for himself. He didn't need it. He already won. He defeated Satan for you and for me. He defeated Satan for us. Are you hearing me? All right, let me shift gears just a little bit because I'm about to open some things up for you. Psalm chapter 91, verse 13. We all know the Psalm 91 scripture. We often say, I speak Psalm 91 over you. But here's a, po a powerful part of this that I want us to take a look at. It says in the 13th verse of the 91st chapter of Psalm, you... You, you, God didn't say I, God said you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample upon. Our problem is we ain't been doing any treading or any trampling. Come on, we've been waiting for God to do it for us. He already did it at the cross of Calvary. Now it becomes our responsibility to tread upon it and to trample upon it. Now there are three lions spoken of in Scripture. Remember it said you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. There's the lion that we know as the king of the beasts, you know, the natural lion roaring out there. There's, uh, of course, Satan that goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. And, and I'll tell you right now, when God said you shall trample upon lions and, and, and cobras, he's not talking about physical lions and cobras. He's talking about Satan and all of his army. And he's saying that you and I, because of Jesus Christ, are supposed to be treading upon and trampling upon. Are you hearing me? Now, when I think of those words, treading is just, I'm treading right now. Okay? Treading upon the carpet. But I'm not only supposed to be treading upon the carpet. I'm supposed to be trampling upon the carpet. They can pull the muscle. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to get that imagery into your brain because we have a spiritual battle that we're supposed to be doing. It's Satan and his demons that's spoken of here in Psalm 91, verse 13. But praise God, there's another lion. In scripture, he's known as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would give him some praise in the house. Jesus, the Bible teaches us, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But have you ever stopped to take a look at this word Judah to understand what Judah means? In fact, when you follow the genealogy of Jesus in the Bible, you'll see that he came from the tribe of Judah. If you look up the meaning of the word Judah, you will find that the name Judah means praise. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. Can I get a witness from somebody? Oh, come on, somebody. I wish somebody praise the Lord in the house. He's the lion of the tribe of praise, but praise has an enemy because the enemy knows what praise can accomplish. Huh? The enemy knows that praise can lock down, tread down, trample down all of his enemies, the lions and the cobras. 
But the people of God aren't doing much treading. And they're not doing much trampling. Doing a lot of sitting and standing and clapping. Can you get a witness from somebody? Remember that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Remember that the Lord is enthroned in the praises of his people. Praise has an enemy, and that enemy is Satan. And the very power that we need is inside of us waiting to be released, and that power is praise. Number two on your paper, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. And guess who lives on the inside of you and me? Jesus. I wish this church would get a little excited about something today. Now we're going to go to the book of Acts. 16th chapter. It'll be on the screen for you. This is a great story of, uh, you know, Paul and Silas. Then the multitude rose up together, verse 22, against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many straps on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So they've been beaten, bloody, pushed around, shoved around, and now they're in stocks and chains in the most foul part of the prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas decided to have a mumbling, grumbling, complaining fest with each other about the predicament that they were in. Paul and Silas just sat there quietly, all depressed and, and dejected because wasn't Jesus supposed to do this for us? Are, are you seeing what they did? At midnight. Now, I don't know what time the jailer put them in there or what time the jailers beat them. But at midnight, what's midnight represent? The darkest hour. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, that sure sounds like every churchgoer I've ever seen. That when your life has hit you so hard that it's like you've been beaten with rods, thrown into the inner prison with stocks and chains upon you. Yeah, I'm, I'm being very snarky and sarcastic right now. Every Christian I know just begins to praise and praise God. Come on, y'all, let's have a song service. No, it's mostly a grumbling session. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? Just look at your neighbor, and, and I want you to do this. He ain't talking about me, but he's talking about you. Now, you just need to look at your other neighbor now and say the same thing. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. That means everybody in the prison heard them sing, and they did it. They didn't need, you know, one-third of their sound system to go out because they didn't even have a sound system. Huh? No pitch correct or anything like that to fix things up. No multi-tracks in the back or pads. I don't have a clue whether they sang good or not. All I know is they were broken and bruised and beaten and bloody and in stocks and chains in the foulest part of the prison, and they started praying and singing praises to God. And the prisoners were hearing it. Verse 26, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Some, some of you are, are due for a suddenly in your life. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaking. And here's, listen, I know this happened physically, but it's a metaphor for our lives. When we praise in the midnight hour, Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The power is in praise, but the enemy of our soul does not want any of us to ever get it. He wants us to wallow in our misery, and share our misery with somebody else so we can make somebody else miserable. 
I challenge you, children of God, that the next time you're miserable, you call up somebody and say, I just need somebody to sing a hymn with me on the phone. You call up somebody and say, I, I don't need to tell you what's going on. I just need you to sing one of our praise songs with me here on the phone. Or you can, or you can take pictures of yourself and you know, post them to D Facebook and tell them how bad your life is and all the struggles you're going through. You ain't treading and you ain't trampling. You're barely floating. In fact, you're sinking. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. It was while they were praying and singing that the answer came. It was while they were singing praises that the power of God showed up on the scene to change everything. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. Number three on your paper if you want to see God start working for you, if you want to see his word start working for you, then start praising him. I didn't imagine the congregation being so quiet today. That's probably because throughout my messages I was writing it. I'm going, amen, brother, amen, brother. You just go on and preach it now. Devil doesn't want you to get this. So you need to start right in the midst of your problem. Start what? Praying and praising. 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 Start praying and praising right in the midst of your dilemma. Right in the middle of your trouble. Right in the midnight hour. Right at the darkest hour. Start praying and praising. Praying and praising. Praying and praising. Praying and praising, praying and praising, and keep praying and praising until something suddenly happens. Start treading and trampling, treading and trampling, praying and praising, treading and trampling, praying and praising, treading and trampling, praying and praising. Watch him show up on the scene for you. God hadn't been, it doesn't seem that God is working for you. Doesn't seem like his presence is showing up for you. Start treading and trampling, praying and praising. Treading and trampling, praying and praising. Don't let the devil get the upper hand on your mind or your actions. You need to watch Jesus show up on the scene to take care of your trouble. Watch him shake the place that you're at and begin to, begin to break down the walls that you've been trying to get a breakthrough for from. Amen. Some of you are in desperate need of your suddenly, in desperate need of your breakthrough. Then start treading and trampling, praying and praising, treading and trampling, praying and praising. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. I ain't done yet. When the psalmist David wrote about treading on the lion and the cobra, <coughs> excuse me, he's not talking about a natural lion and a natural cobra. Cobra. The lion spoken of in this text about the lions and the cobras. He's talking about the forces of evil that are strong. The forces of evil that are fierce. In regard to the cobra, the forces of evil that are lethally poisonous to our lives and to our spirituality. He's talking about Satan. In Psalm chapter 57, verse 4, David said, My soul is among lions. Have you ever felt that way? When you've been like, I'm surrounded on all sides by the enemy. Well, I may be surrounded. I may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's what we are. Start praying and praising. Amen. So, yeah, there's those times, number four, on your handout. You know, thank God. I know I realize that though I may feel surrounded by lions and cobras, they are helpless in the presence 
of the Lord, of the Lion, of the tribe of praise. Are you hearing me, beloved? The enemy of your soul, when you feel like you're surrounded by lions, they are helpless and powerless in the presence of praise. In the presence of praise. Now let's go to Psalm 23. You're about to get your socks blessed off. I hope you're wearing socks so you can get them blessed off. Now we all know Psalm 23. It's often probably read the most at a funeral or when someone is passing away. But the 23rd Psalm isn't about that. We use that passage of scripture at a funeral or when someone's passing away because of a specific aspect of the 23rd Psalm, which is still, however, taken out of context as it relates to dying or having died. Now, there is one context of the valley of the shadow of death, and the valley of Kidron was also a place where people were buried. It was like a large graveyard, if you will. And David went through the Kidron Valley when he was running from, I think, from Absalom. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But there's a deeper meaning behind this that I want you all to get. Are you ready to be blessed? Okay, if you don't have socks on, just pretend you do. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This isn't the words of somebody dying. See, death for David isn't actually the context of what he's writing about here. Remember, it was David who says, my soul is among lions. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. It's because of this one particular phrase that we've used this as a, it's a comforting scripture. Okay, all scripture has a comfort to it. It certainly is a comforting scripture when someone is passing or at a funeral. But let's understand what David's really talking about here. I, I, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. There ain't no rod and staff to comfort you if you're already dead. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Can it help you? A dead person can't say, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my what? Life. Because David did a whole lot more living after he wrote this. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When David wrote about the shadow of death, he's not talking about physical death. He's not referring to his own demise, because as you can read through it and see, after he said this, he was still alive, and he lived on for many years afterwards. It is Satan that represents the kingdom of darkness. Satan embodies death. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy and as we walk through this world every day, we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Are you hearing me, beloved? There's the shadow of spiritual death that's all around us. There's probably the shadow of spiritual death in some of you today. That won't be by the time we're done with this service at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Just kidding. There's a shadow of chaos and calamity everywhere. It's crazy, the things that are going on. There's a shadow of poverty all around us. There's a shadow of fear all around us. All of these things come from and are the shadow of death. Our enemy, Satan, and all of his demons embody death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. 
Glory. Did somebody hook electricity up to this stage? Because I'm feeling a surge of something here today. But I, know, I want you to notice what it says in verse 5. This is what I want, you, want to get to you. This is why we're not treading and trampling. Why we're not praying and praising. Verse 5 says, you prepare. Now, who's the enemy? Oh, I'm going to try it again. Some of you ain't awake. Who say, who's the enemy? And his demons. Who's the enemy? And... All right, let's see if we can all do it now. Who's the enemy? Satan. Say it again. Satan. Who's the enemy? Satan. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Who's the enemy? Satan. What? Excuse me, Lord, you must have read the wrong part of the manual. Why would you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? Why don't you prepare a table for me a long ways away from my enemies? Because you're supposed to be doing the praying and the praising. You're supposed to be doing the treading and the trampling. Can I get a witness from somebody? Notice it says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy is the lions and the cobras and the young lions and the serpents as it's spoken of in scripture. And we're supposed to tread and trample on these symbols of the enemy. Satan is his demons and God prepares us a table smack dab in the middle of our enemies. I wonder how many of us have ever looked at that passage of Scripture from that vantage point. God sets a table before me and before you right in the presence of the devil? God sets a table before you and before me? God sets a table. We got our minds on a physical, natural table. In the presence of demons? Here's the issue. There ain't victory under the table. Victory's on the table. Are you hearing me? We got our eyes focused on what's down there under our feet instead of what he's prepared for us on the table. Hear me, beloved. The enemy is present, and he is present at all times and will be present until Christ has come, but God has prepared for us a table. In the presence of our enemy. The problem is that we're looking at the enemy instead of the table. I want you to get your focus off of what's under the table and get your focus on the table. We get our, need to get our eyes and our focus on what the Lord has prepared for us on the table. I think there's a reason why he prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies because he wants us to pray and praise. He wants us to tread and trample. He doesn't want us just sitting around in our four-inch cushions going, Yay, that was a good song! There's victory on the table. I'm choosing to get my eyes off of the enemy. I'm going to tread on the enemy. The only spot the enemy has a right to in my life is the greasy spot on the bottom of my shoe. Like stomping on a cockroach. But we keep, yeah, I guess he's still there. Do you know that when I do this, I take my eyes off the table? When the enemy starts raising his ugly head again, and I start looking at him, I take my eyes off the table. There's healing on the table. There's victory on the table because we have been given victory over all the power of the enemy. There's healing on the table because he sent his word to heal all of our diseases. There's deliverance, (coughs) excuse me, and freedom on the table because he whom the son sets free is free indeed. There's power 
on the table because after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power. There's peace and tranquility on the table because not only is Jesus a lion of the tribe of Judah, he's also the prince of peace. I wish somebody would give him a praise in the house of God. Keep treading. Don't look around to see the smashed spot. Keep tramping. Keep trampling. Keep treading. Don't look around to see if they're still dead. Keep your eyes on the table. I don't know about you, but there's stuff on the table that I want. I don't want to keep my eyes on what's going on down here. I want to keep my eyes on the table that the Lord has prepared for me. Huh? The Lord has prepared for you, but, and actually before you, in the presence of your enemies. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Preaching way better than your amen then. Number five, get your eyes off the enemy who's beneath your feet and get your focus on the table that the... Somebody get this. So many of us are so focused on the enemy that's under our feet just to make sure he's still there under our feet. We've got our eyes off the table that the Lord has set before us. You have stuff on the table that the Lord has prepared for you in the presence of your enemy, meaning the things that are on the table is what helps you overcome the power of the enemy. But we put our focus under the table metaphorically. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Where do you taste and see? Well, I know where I taste and see at my house. It's at the table. Huh? Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord has prepared a table for us, but many people unfortunately never taste the goodness of God because their vision is still focused on the enemy of their soul that's supposed to be under their feet. Amen? You don't just tread on the enemy once. I might have to tread on the same devil over and over and over again. So i got to keep my eyes on the table of the Lord. People are still focused on their depression. And I, I am not belittling depression. I understand depression. But my focus ain't on the depression. That's under my feet. My focus is on the table that the Lord has set before me in the presence of my enemies. And one of my enemies is depression. Huh? They're still focused on the depression that's supposed to be under their feet instead of seeing the freedom and the joy that's on the table that the Lord has given us. People are still focused on their past, the past that they're supposed to be trampling on and not seeing the truth on the table that you've been made a brand new creation that all things, that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're more focused on what's supposed to be under your feet instead of what's on the table. Can I get a witness from somebody? Hallelujah. People are more focused on the storms and troubles of life. And there's plenty. Even Jesus said, every day has got enough trouble of its own. Every day I might have to trample on some trouble. Cobras. I might have to tread on some trouble. Lions. I got to remember that every day of my life, I'm supposed to be seated at the table the Lord has prepared for me. But the caveat, he's prepared that table for me in the presence of my enemies. He's always the gracious God who gives us all a choice. Either keep your eyes on me or get your eyes off of me. Hallelujah. Some people are still trying to get their healing and wondering why God hasn't come through for them. I'm one. Hmm? I woke up this morning, pain in my left arm, numbness in my hand, tingling in my hand, all up and down my arm. I, I got up at about 4 o'clock and I shook it and shook it and shook it, and trying to get some feeling in my hand. 
and uh, and uh, uh, finally I went back to bed and tried to couldn't have kept gripping it like this and I said one at one moment I gripped it like that and all of a sudden my eyes went to the table I said my healing is on the table that the Lord has set before me because physical malady has always been an enemy of mine since I was a little child sickness and physical malady has been one of the lions and one of the cobras and one of the young lions and one of the serpents in my life for way too long I've had my eyes on those things instead of what's on the table I'll tell you what's not on the table sickness and trouble What's on the table is healing and peace and the plans that he has for me. Amen? Amen. And so I immediately began to curse the enemy. I was treading and trampling and praying and praising in my sleep this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. You got room for more? I'm almost done. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. We all know this passage of scripture. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It's interesting because you got two words, two power words in here. You got, I give you power over all the power of. They're two different Greek words, which is very interesting. We're going to look at that just very quickly. The first Greek word for power is exkosia, which is actually rendered authority, control, and dominion. So let's add those words, kind of amplify it. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you power. I give you authority. I give you control. I give you dominion over all. Everybody say all. All. Over all the power of the enemy. I give you uh, uh, power, I give you authority, I give you control, I give you dominion over all the power of the enemy. This second word, power, is a different Greek word, which is the Greek word dunamis, which means might and strength. So let's do the verse again, and this is in your handout. Number six, behold, I give you power. I give you authority. I give you control. I give you dominion over all the power of the enemy, over all the might of the enemy, over all the strength of the enemy. And look at the last part. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I said nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Problem is we're not exercising our power. And as Diane so eloquently said in her last point in her handout last week, the power is on the inside of us just waiting to be released. And because we serve the lion of the tribe of praise, the power that we have over the enemy is the power of praise. Look at the same uh, passage in the Passion Translation. It's beautiful, beautiful. Understand, oh, I hope you get this. Understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over Satan's kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you, here it is, as you walk in this authority. As you pray and praise, tread and trample. As you pray and praise and tread and trample. As you pray and praise and tread and trample. Pray and praise and say it with me. Pray and praise and tread and trample. Pray and praise and tread and trample. Somebody ought to wrap it. I ain't gonna. I hope you got it. I hope you caught it. God has given you the power. But you have to do the walking. God has given you power. In fact, all power. He's actually given you all his power. But you've got to do the treading. He's actually given you his power, but you've got to do the trampling. You have to do the treading and the walking and the possessing. Number seven on your handout, God does the giving. But you have to do the possessing. 
Deuteronomy 2.31. Praise team, you can come on up and get ready. We're going to praise. Deuteronomy 2.31, and the Lord said to me, speaking to Moses, see, I have begun to give you Sihon and his land over to you, begin to possess it so that you may inherit his land. You realize you, won't, you don't inherit any land you don't possess even if God already gave it to you. Are you hearing me? God has given you everything that you need, but you can't have it if you don't possess it. Deuteronomy 1.8, Behold, I've set the land before you. Go in and possess it. Would they have ever gotten it if they didn't go in and possess it, even, the Lord, even though the Lord already gave it to them? No, the answer is no, and neither will you or I. Numbers 13.30, Caleb quieted the people and said, Let us go out at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it through praise and prayer, treading and trampling. You are well able to overcome anything that's under the table if you keep your eyes on the table of the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. So please get this, friends. God does the giving, but we have to do the possessing. I'm going to take possession over the things the Lord has given me and just and, and quit empty-handedly quoting the passages of Scripture. Time to quit empty-handedly quoting the passage of Scripture. I'm going to go in and possess it, and then with full hands, start quoting the Scripture. Huh? You know what I'll find? I'm going to see the miracles of God working in my life. I want to see the miracles of God working in your life. Beloved, there's a reason we had an angelic visitation that went all over the congregation of the people where all of y'all sit because it's time for you to go in and possess the things that God has already given you. When does the victory over the enemy become a reality? When I possess it. It's not a reality just because God has given it. It's spiritually a reality. But it doesn't become a physical reality until you go in and possess what God has given you. Some of you have not been experiencing the, the reality, the physical reality of what is a spiritual promise because you aren't possessing it. Your eyes are still down here. I stop on the demon of diabetes. I, I stop on the, the demon of high blood pressure. I, I stop on the demon uh, of, of depression. Yeah, I guess they're still there. Get my eyes off of that. Let my feet do the treading and the walking. Let my eyes look at the table that the Lord has set before me in the presence of mine enemies. And take it and take possession of it. When I put my foot down and start treading and trampling is when I begin to access the promises of God. When I put my foot down that what God says about me is true. That's when I start possessing what God has given me. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. This has been the best scripture, I think. As I wrote this message, this was my favorite one of all of them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. Did you even hear the condition there? Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. They still had to do the treading. They still had to do the trampling. God does the giving, but you and I must do the treading. If we want to experience the blessings and the promises that God has given us, then we're going to have to do our part. You and I are going to have to take possession. Number eight on your handout. We have to start confessing the promise of God and then start walking out that promise. Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Are you treading on them? Well, I'm waiting for God to give me the victory. He's already given you the victory. 
You have to possess it. He's already done it through Jesus Christ and what he did. It's called the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary for a reason. Well, I'm waiting for it to become a reality. It's already a reality, but you'll never experience it if you don't tread upon the enemy of your soul, if you don't access it every place. I am taking this passage of Scripture to my life motto. Every place that the sole of my foot touches, God has given me. So I would say to you today, why don't you get up and start walking? Why don't you get up and start treading? Why don't you get up and start trampling? Why don't you start walking on the healing that is already yours? Every place. Well, I'm waiting for God to heal me. He's already healed you. He's already healed me. Well, pastor, how come you ain't walking in it? I got my eyes down yonder. I'm going to put my eyes up here on the table. On the table is his word. On his table is the wine, which represents the blood. On his table is the bread, which represents his body. And with it comes everything that I need here in this life. Can I get a witness from somebody? God has done the giving. You and I got to do the walking, the treading, the trampling. And it's high time we put the devil under our feet. It's time we get our eyes off of who and what's under our feet. And we begin to put our focus on the table of the Lord that he's prepared for us. And as I wrote that particular part of the message, I realized that it's not the same table for all of us. You got your enemies, I got mine. You got your scorpions, your lions, I got mine. You got your serpents, you got your lions, I got mine. They're not supposed to be in cages in another room in our house, metaphorically. They're supposed to be under our feet. But it's time we get our eyes off of those things that even under our feet and put our eyes on the table of the Lord. It's up to you about how much victory you're going to have. How much victory I experience in my Christian life is not up to God. He's already done it. Every one of the promises of God are already yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They're already. They're already. They're already. Got my eyes focused on all the wrong stuff. It's up to you. And if you don't tread on it, you can't have it. As we get ready to close and worship, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every. Say every. Say every. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. There's not one there's not one, are you hearing me, beloved? There's not one of the heavenly blessings that the Lord hasn't already blessed you with. You just haven't taken possession of it. I pray that each of us see Psalm 23 just a little different after today. So you may feel like your soul is among lions. You may feel like you're surrounded by lions and cobras. I may feel like I'm surrounded but I am surrounded by God. I am surrounded by the angel of the Lord. I am surrounded and covered in his word. Oh, beloved, let's walk together as we trample on the enemy of our soul, the enemy of our church. Let's walk together as we tread upon lions and cobras that want to suck the energy out of us so that we can't praise God. It's like the great anaconda that wraps around us and squeezes us so hard we can't catch our breath, sucks all the breath of life out of us and the breath that we need to praise. He knows that if, if, this, if we will start praising, praying and praising, treading and trampling, he has very little chance in our midst. And he will fight this tooth and nail, starting with me then to every one of us together. I am determined. I am determined to lift up a roar of praise because I believe that the lion of the tribe of praise is roaring on my behalf even this morning. You should lift up a voice 
and a roar of praise because the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the lion of the tribe of praise, is roaring on your behalf this morning. I wish somebody would give him a praise in the house of God right now. Come on, praise.